You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, but I'm not doing this. I'm breaking down games at SportingNews.com, both from an NFL gambling perspective and fantasy football, and also analyzing the league as a whole. We also have a look at the playoff picture going into Week 17, so you can dive into that as well. So looking at the league from all angles, that's what we do at Sporting News. Here we lock into fantasy football and uh, we build on my weekly column there that I have the decider, the start-sit hybrid with rankings there. You can check out at Sporting News every week. We go deeper here and we break down all the games in depth. We're back up to a full slate of games. Two more full slates here as we extend to week 18. So this is the last week 17 there that isn't going to end the season. So we have to remember that. There's still fantasy football to be played. A lot of you are playing in the championships this week. Maybe your league extends to the finale next week, or you're still looking to get it on DFS to make up for some things. We're going to break it all down for you to help you there. We'll take the first half of games there. All on Sunday, there's uh, no Thursday game this week, so we can settle in, take our time, get all the COVID-19 and injury information we need to put out the best possible lineup on Sunday. So that's good news here in a very critical week for almost uh, everyone that's involved here. So we will uh, do that and uh, break it down for you. We'll hit eight games today and uh, some good matchups early in the 1 p.m. Eastern time window that we can talk about. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. We are free and available for you on all platforms. All right. We weren't going to start with this game, but we're still going to do it here because we might have a little bit of clarity soon. It's the Raiders and Colts. Las Vegas goes to Indianapolis as 6.5-point underdogs. 44.5 is the over-under here. The Colts, we know, are on absolute fire here. Their running game is rolling. Their defense is playing well. They're putting pressure on the Titans to win the AFC South. So a lot of motivation. The Raiders, however, also above 500 now. At eight and seven, trying to cling to their AFC wildcard hopes behind the Chiefs here, as their season went bad in the middle of it, and they're trying to dig out of it before it's too late. So a lot on the line here. So two motivated teams is what we want when we're looking for fantasy football production. Let's start with the Raiders. Hunter Renfro in the lineup every week. He keeps coming through. The Colts play a lot of zone defense. That's going to allow a lot of things underneath there to be. Caught so Hunter Renfro should be rather busy as he is for Derek Carr and just being the most reliable wide receiver they have at this point. So Carr and Renfro, that uh, combination will get going. I do not like Carr individually in this game. We saw Renfro came through and Carr was pretty bad against the Broncos last week. I also kind of like Foster Moreau in this game. Big catch against the Broncos to put that game away last week. I think they're underutilizing him. The Colts have been very giving to the tight end. They allowed Zach Ertz to be the Cardinals' receiving leader last week. Hunter Henry scored two touchdowns against them the week before. So Foster Moreau has a chance here, assuming Darren Waller with the back and knee injuries misses another game. A lot of Moreau, a lot of Renfro in the middle of the field. 
I really don't love Josh Jacobs in this game. It was frustrating. You had Josh Jacobs breakthrough finally for a 100-yard rushing game against the Broncos. But what happened? Not enough work in the passing game because it was a low-scoring game. And the game script was positive. And you have Peyton Barber come in the red zone and score there. So, very frustrating. It's really hard now with the running back that doesn't catch passes to trust as a feature back. Because it's so hard to get the cheap points, right? Because in half or full-point PPR, you can catch three passes for 25 yards. And you're... In good shape. You pad those numbers, but it's hard to do that without a touchdown if you're running. The Colts are a very good run defense. Last week, a Chase Edmonds did have success, but part of it, again, was in the receiving game and scoring. So those are pretty key here for Jacobs to produce. I still think in most leagues he's an RB2, but prepared to be disappointed. I think it's going to be pretty much Renfro and Moreau and not much else working consistently here for the Raiders offense as Derek Carr has just totally gone into the tank here. And it drags down most of the things in this Las Vegas offense. Now, with the Colts, we have a COVID-19 situation developing with Carson Wentz. Everyone knows he's not vaccinated, but they also changed the protocol at the same time with a five-day window versus a 10-day absence. So there's no symptoms from Carson Wentz. He's going to be playing. And this line started at six and a half. It bounced down to like two and a half, three and a half when... It sounded like Carson Wentz may not play, but then they changed the rules and bounced right back up to six and a half. So there's been some insider information on this one that Wentz is going to play. It's 44 and a half. So some decent points there to be had. So if Wentz plays, I think he can do pretty well in this matchup. I just wouldn't ex- expect a lot. I think you're looking at a pretty low ceiling. I think this is the John Taylor, Jonathan Taylor show. So I think easily Jonathan Taylor breaks through for another 100-yard rushing game. I think he scores again. He had a hiccup and didn't score against the Cardinals, but I think he scores at least once in this game. So Carson Wentz could have one of those games where he throws for like 150 and 2. So if that's something you can get by with in your league, you do it. So I don't think there's much difference either between Sam Ellinger and Wentz in terms of what the Colts are going to do. It's still going to be a lot of Taylor. I think they can stack the box a little bit against Taylor, but the Raiders are still a pretty bad run defense. It was a weird game last week. Drew Locke did drag down Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams in that game in a great matchup for them. But I, I still expect it right now to be Wentz. And if that's the case, you treat all your Colts uh, skill players as normal here. So Jonathan Taylor, dominant RB1, top on the board in this matchup. Look at Michael Pittman Jr. You have Casey Hayward and some good cover men on the Raiders. But Pittman got back on track against the Cardinals last week. So I think he's more of a wide receiver three this week. If you're desperate... You could look at T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver, three or flex in deeper leagues. And one play that I'm going with this week, Jack Doyle has a knee and ankle issue here. He's sorting it out. He got hurt against the Cardinals. He may not be able to go in this game, so we'll watch the practice reports coming out. But Mo Ali Cox, 42 yards receiving last week against the Cardinals. Best tight end defense for much of the season. The Raiders are terrible against the tight end. So if there's no Doyle... And you have Wentz thrown in the middle and the running game's working. Mo Ali Cox is a bit of a sneaky player this week. DFS, deep leagues, if you're really hurting a tight end, you can go in that direction. Say you're looking at a Jared Cook or Tyler Conklin or Tyler Higby. I think Mo Ali Cox might actually have more appeal than those type of players this week. All right, the next game we'll get into before we take our first break is Giants-Bears. Not as exciting for fantasy football. This is a six-point favorite spread in favor of the homestanding Bears in Chicago, who won last week for Matt Nagy in Seattle, rallied there, went for two, pulled off the upset. Now their favorites here, 37.5 is the over. That is pretty low 
here. That is the lowest total of the week here between these two teams. Not a surprise. The Giants, what do you do? I mean, Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony are back. The Bears' secondary is pretty weak. Jalen Johnson should be back from the COVID-19 list, so that could hurt Galladay. But do you really trust Mike Glennon? That's the bottom line. Mike Glennon, the former Bear, remember him? He was right there with Mitchell Trubisky. They spent a lot of money on him, and he didn't really end up starting much at all for them. So he might be a little bit motivated, but the Bears' defense should be motivated as well after uh, just a tough performance last week. I do love Saquon Barkley in this game. We saw what Rashad Penny did, a lot of chunk runs for him. So it's going to be the Saquon show pretty much for the Giants, and uh, you need it because he did not do anything against the Eagles last week. So some opportunities there for Saquon. Wouldn't trust the receivers. I want to with the volume for Tony, but again, Glennon and or Jake Fromm have just not inspired here at quarterback. And Daniel Jones has been in there. I think we would have felt a little bit better about these guys, Galladay and Tony, at this stage of the season. But we can't. Barkley, the only thing we trust. Evan Ingram, again, guy that is sporadic. Do you really want to just play for the touchdown on this one? That's what you're coming down to when you face the Bears here. We're decent against the tight end when uh, they're on point here with their safeties. All right, for the Bears side of things, we'll watch Justin Fields with that ankle injury. He was close to playing last week. He might have uh, been the backup to Nick Foles, but they just shut him down in that game for Seattle. So Andy Dalton, again, I don't think he's going to start here. I think it's either be Foles or Fields. Foles was pretty decent last week, but Fields is what I'm interested in here. We know Jalen Hurts played the Giants, a mobile quarterback here. Giants did contain Jalen Hurts on the ground a little bit, but I think you'll see Fields be let loose to run a little bit more. He's pretty done pretty well at home here in the game, so he's been fully healthy and gotten through. So, again, Justin Fields, a back-end streamer in deeper leagues this week as a QB1. David Montgomery, I love his matchup this week. The Eagles ran all over the Giants last week. The Giants are wilted up front in their front seven. Montgomery should get a high volume here. To produce. So David Montgomery, I love, is an RB1 this week. That's how good this matchup is. We'll see about Allen Robinson still feeling the effects of COVID-19. I don't think he's going to be out there. It's been a bust of a last season in Chicago for Allen Robinson. But Darnell Mooney, I like a lot here. I know we had James Bradbury and some of the cover men, but the Giants are really gone terrible against wide receivers here. And Darnell Mooney can do at least what uh, Devonta Smith did last week for the Eagles against the Giants. So watch that. And a game where you don't want to have too much exposure to in fantasy football beyond your principal. So Barkley, Montgomery, everything else is going to be a little bit to stretch except for playing fields if he's healthy in this game along with Mooney. All right, uh, we will get into six more games here from the early afternoon window of week 17 on Sunday. All Sunday games, so no worrying about Sunday, just sun, or no worrying about Thursday, just Sunday and Monday here with that Brown-Steelers game, and that will be the last game we break down for you at matchup Thursday. It is a new year, along with a new week, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars that can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By, like, week three, you might be thinking... This is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain only 130 calories, 4 grams sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, 
at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with built Bars. So when you're having a craving for a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and also tastes incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. All you have to do to get in on Built Bar right now for the new year is go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Resolve to eat a better protein bar. Resolve to get Built Bars here for the new year. All right, uh, it's time to continue the show and uh, break down some more games here. Uh, I do have to give you a programming reminder, however. Thanks for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Football Playoff Preview 2021, local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff preview is live now here on the Lockdown Network. All right, we will continue breaking down these games. Some big point spreads are coming up ahead. Alert there. This is one of them. The Bucks are 13-point road favorites at the Jets. 45-and-a-half is the over-under. So let's start with the Bucks. This is a great spot for the running game. Ronald Jones should keep bringing it without, Ronald, without Leonard Fournette. So Rojo takes care of what Fournette did again in another nice matchup. The Jets' run defense is atrocious. They got a break last week and James Robinson got hurt, but Darry Ogunbowale still had success for the Jaguars. So you feel good about Ronald Jones? You feel a little bit better about Keyshawn Vaughn becoming a bigger factor. Keep in mind, it's not just Leonard Fournette on the shelf. They also don't have Gio Bernard. So they need to split up this backfield a little bit. Jones did surprise us a little bit, catching a few passes, but probably out of necessity without Fournette in the lineup. But Vaughn may get some more opportunities there. He might not because he didn't show good hands on one of those plays. But... Again, the game script could flow to the point where Jones and Vaughn see significant touches. Last week, Vaughn's production was stamped by touchdown. So if you're looking at him, you're looking at more of his deep league flex. If you look at Ronald Jones, you have borderline RB1 just with the usage in this matchup here with no Fournette. Okay, well, elsewhere for the Bucks, Tom Brady, we need to get some points from Tom Brady. It's been very quiet the past few weeks. He had a very awful clunker against the Saints. Managed only one touchdown pass last week. This should be a total route here for the Bucks, And we want Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown to get in the end zone. So that's all we need here. We need a 2-15-2 performance. I think we can get it here from Tom Brady. I think this team's going to pour it on a little bit. You have Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard. I don't think the Jets can cover any of these tight ends as well. So that should be good news. I would expect a good two touchdowns for sure from Brady through the air. Maybe one in the quarterback sneak realm here, but... He's going to support Jones and Vaughn a little bit better this week. It, again, the Bucks with Brady like to throw into the end zone. I know it's a little bit different with Mike Evans hamstrung and the COVID-19 protocol. No Chris Godwin there. But the tight ends alone are matchup nightmares for the Jets here for Brady. And Antonio Brown should stretch the field pretty easily as well. And maybe some of these other receivers can get involved this week. Brashad Perryman, the former Jet, maybe he returns as well from the COVID-19 to replace Evans, and that would be a game-changer as well. So I expect one long touchdown from Brady and one short down, short touchdown from Brady. If this becomes an absolute blowout, I can see him at 3-4 to four with like 250, something like that, 
passing yards. Because again, he's not going to have to throw a ton for the Bucks to win this game. So keep that in mind. Here, so Brown locks in as a wide receiver too, just with his involvement here with the other receivers all hurting. Gronk should rebound as a tight end one this week in this matchup. And I love the running backs this week in different capacities. RB1 slash RB2 for Jones and flex for Vaughn. Uh, let's go to the G Bucks defense, of course, is also a great play. Getting to that with the Jets offense. Zach Wilson, I'm not going to go chase that running performance there against the Jaguars. It was the Jaguars at home. The Bucks at home, a completely different story, especially with not much in the receiving core. You have Braxton Berrios. He's the best option. I mean, you're really reaching and desperate there. He would have had a pretty bad game, five catches for 40 there, if he had not scored on special teams against the Jaguars. So keep that in mind. It's a very low upside passing game with Zach Wilson, and you're not going to get that running production very much, even though Josh Allen has run well against the Bucks this year. I don't think that's what they intend to do with Wilson. It was a bit of a scramble play that was a bit flukish last week. Now, what do you do with Michael Carter? I think in some situations you're going to have to play him. They just use him enough on a regular basis here. He is their best running back, no matter what they try to do with Tevin Coleman. He's also useful in the passing game. The Bucks have struggled in the passing game to handle back, so that's what you're hoping for. A lot of check downs to Michael Carter in this game if you're playing here because we know we can't traditionally run well on the Bucks. That's been their calling card here for three seasons straight here. So Carter, that's where you're going to have to get your points. So he's a lot more appealing in half point and full point PPR than in standard leagues here this week because of that. And keep in mind the Bucks are without Levante David on the second level there. That uh, hurts their coverage there a little bit. So there should be some opportunities to throw in the middle of the field. They also didn't have Jason Pierre-Paul last week. So Again, dump-offs, check-downs, whatever you want to call them, those should be in this game script a lot for the Jets as they trail the Bucks in the second half. Another big spread involves a team from the AFC East, but this time they're the favorites against the team visiting from the NFC South. It's Bills, Falcons, 14.5 is the spread, 44.5 is the opener. Another great easy matchup for the Bills here that to take advantage of to get going after Josh Allen uh, delivered in that tough Patriots matchup last week. So you love it. Again, Josh Allen may have limited throwing in this game. The Bills should have success running the ball with Devin Singletary. He's had two good games in a row. So they'll get their points. They're still a passing team there by intention and for most of the time. So I just think uh, they could do some damage on defense. They're not going to face much resistance from the Falcons offense. So Keep that in mind. They're not going to be throwing deep into the fourth quarter in this game. So Allen can get his points early. I bet he'll score a rushing touchdown, have some good yardage there. You have Stefan Diggs there will score a touchdown for sure. I think Dawson Knox will also return to the end zone in this game. So Diggs, uh, there's A.J. Terrell on the other side, but nothing too daunting there. They can move around Diggs and get him open. We'll see about Cole Beasley returning to... Uh, Replace Isaiah McKenzie. McKenzie went off in the slot last week. Part of the reason he did as well is that Gabriel Davis missed the game and Emmanuel Sanders was also just coming back from a knee injury. So it lined up for McKenzie to be busiest after Diggs. Let's watch the Beasley situation. If he misses another game here, again, he should be cleared from COVID-19. But if he misses another game, McKenzie's something to watch as well as uh, Davis uh, being unvaccinated. So it's all about whether the symptoms are there or whatever. But McKenzie proved that the Bills really value him a lot last week, so watch out for that. But I wouldn't really extend otherwise. I mean, Gabriel Davis has some appeal here, but he might be the guy that ends up seeing Terrell in this one. So 
Again, Diggs, I like him as a wide receiver one this week. Devin Singletary is a strong RB2, good DFS play, still very undervalued. He's taken over this backfield away from Matt Breida and Zach Moss, that's for sure. Josh Allen, a high-end, maybe the top QB1 on the board here with his running ability on top of the big plays he should get against the Falcons early. So, good stuff all around. The Bills defense can absolutely crush it. Now, briefly mention what you're going to try to trust in the Falcons. Really, it's the two guys that have produced all year. Kyle Pitts, tough matchup. The Bills are pretty good against the tight end. The Patriots didn't get Hunter Henry going at all last week, so keep that in mind. Pitts could really cool down from his game against the Lions. Much different game on the road against the Bills than home versus Detroit. But he's still Kyle Pitts. He's still been a tight end one. He's not getting the touchdowns he would like, but still getting the yardage and targets. Russell Gage, I would park this week. Very bad game last week against the Lions. He had a fumble loss. Didn't get involved as it was a Pitts domination. So you're not going there. With Gage, still a tough secondary without Tredavis White. And then the other uh, guy that you look at here, for the Falcons, Corderell Patterson. You can run on the Bills, so there's that. If there's someone who's going to produce something, you figure it's Patterson there to help Pitts. But you absolutely cannot trust Matt Ryan on the road in the elements after he underwhelmed last week against the Lions. All right, the final game we'll talk about in this segment is the Eagles and Washington game. Now, the Eagles are three and a half point favorites on the road here. 46 is the over-under. Pretty high that we... Higher than we expected, given the state of the Washington offense in the last few weeks and the way the Eagles' defense is playing. Let's start with the Eagles. Jalen Hurts, QB1, no-brainer there. We're going to watch the backfield. Miles Sanders is going to miss the game. He broke his hand, so he's going to be out. But the guy we're going to watch next is Jordan Howard. He has a neck injury, a stinger is what it was described as. But those are sometimes painful, hard to play with. So that would point to Boston Scott. Now, you can't go with Kenneth Gainwell because the game script figures to be favorable for the Eagles in this one. They just ran all over Washington two weeks ago. And uh, they did open up the passing game a little bit last week. But Boston Scott could be very busy. He came through last week when Sanders got hurt against the Giants with a touchdown. So Scott, we've seen him be a super sub before. Especially punching in scores there near the goal line. So Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, we're going to watch that situation. But both of them have value. I think if Howard plays, I would lean towards playing him and not really trust Scott, but if Howard doesn't play, I think I'd go with Scott uh, and put him as an RB2 slash flex in this matchup uh, and hope that he keeps scoring when subbing in for Sanders. Now, Devonta Smith, you can like again as a wide receiver three, came through last week with 80 yards and a touchdown there against the Giants, so decent enough matchup here for the Eagles' top receiver, the rookie from Alabama. So go there, Dallas Goddard locked in now as a top end, uh, I'd say top five tight end one just outside of the big three of uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and George Kittle. Love the Eagles' defense in this game. We'll see about Taylor Heineke. Would they pivot to Kyle Allen? I don't think they're going to do that. I think, actually, Allen might be the better quarterback for what they need right now. But you expect Heineke to be in there. It's tough for Darius Slay there for, I should say, Terry McLaurin against Darius Slay. So McLaurin has really not done much. He's been way off the wide receiver three radar for multiple weeks the now, since that Panthers game several weeks ago, kind of when Washington was a hot streak, they need to scheme him open. We don't want him to be a deep ball guy. We need him to be the high-volume guy where they throw in garbage time to him a lot. So hopefully Scott Turner will make this adjustment. I mean, it's ridiculous that he's just a shot play guy where we know when he has good volume, he gets production, especially with his contested catch success. So let's hope for the best with uh, McLaurin here. Maybe move him away from Slay. He did... Uh, 
catch a couple long balls there against the Eagles the first time. But again, we want a higher percentage level of targets there for McLaurin to really come through and uh, give us what we're looking for in his fantasy football production in this most critical week. And that includes me. I have McLaurin in a key game, and I've been disappointed. He had a good first half, but the second half has left a lot to be desired. Then uh, really falling on wide receiver three when I was expecting a wide receiver two of the bullet. But again, we drafted him thinking Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to facilitate him quite a bit. That hasn't happened consistently with Heineke, unfortunately, especially in the second half of the season. All right, we still have three more games to talk about. That We'll do that in our final segment here. Thanks again for making the Locked On Fantasy Football part of your podcast listening routine. We're no-nonsense to the point. Break it down. Games 40, we go in-depth. We think about all angles of fantasy football here for you and just give it to you straight. And look, uh, we also want to make sure you're having fun and winning and uh, fantasy football should be fun and we're giving you what you need to do to dominate. And don't forget, uh, after the season's over, we're with you year-round as well, doing some advanced scouting. Uh, we still break down free agency in the draft. So we're here five days a week, most of the year for you on Locked On Fantasy Football. All right, it's time to close the show looking at three more intriguing games here from the early part of the Week 17 schedule. All 1 p.m. Eastern Time games will pretty much be in the late afternoon window except for one game on tomorrow's show, Matchup Thursday, so don't forget about that. We'll break down the back half of eight games all the way through Vikings, Packers, and Brown Steelers, the two uh, primetime games there. Chiefs-Bengals is a good one. Should be a primetime game, but it isn't. It's a 1 p.m. Eastern Time game. Chiefs leaders in the AFC West once again. The champions, the Bengals, here are fighting and scraping to try to win the AFC North. Big win against the Ravens last week. So five and a half is the spread in favor of the Chiefs, as you might expect. 49 and a half is the over-under. We have one game that's in the 50s there with the over-under. This is not it, but getting close to it, and you're hoping for a shootout in this one. So Travis Kelsey, we assume, will be cleared from the COVID-19 protocol. He locked back in as a top two, top three tight end for you. The Bengals can be vulnerable against that position. We saw what Mark Andrews did to them last week. So Kelsey should come back with a vengeance this week and uh, deliver here for the Chiefs. You have uh, Tyree Kill. He was limited by the COVID-19 protocols last week. He should get full practice in this week. So he's back in as a wide receiver one. Uh, You can't go with Byron Pringle now. With Kelsey back, I think that's going to really limit Pringle's value there for the Chiefs. Now in the backfield... I think you have two guys that have value now. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, unlikely to play. You had Derek Gore. He had a good chunk of touches there, getting some red zone work, doing his damage there, filling in basically the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire early down roll. Daryl Williams has been the passing game situation guy. So both of them have some value in this game, playing off Hill and Kelsey. Again, not trusting any of the wide receivers. I think after those uh, two principal targets for Mahomes, you look at the two running backs here. So, in order, I like that Daryl Williams is an RB2, and Gore should Clyde edwards Lair miss the game as a flex play in deeper leagues. Patrick Mahomes is a top-half QB1 for me this week in this matchup as well. So, pretty explanatory with the Chiefs. The one thing that you're going to look for is uh, no defense for the Chiefs. You can't play them. The Bengals offense on fire here with Joe Burrow. Speaking of Joe Burrow... Should be a shootout. He's going to have a high passing volume once again. So Joe Burrow locked in as a QB1 this week after his 525-yard game against the Ravens. Outstanding. This should be a fun game between Mahomes and Burrow. Might see this game quite a bit here 
and key AFC games to come for a long time. So something to watch there in this game should be high volume of passing. Joe Mixon should get it done again as a runner and receiver. Jamar Chase, you go with him. Again, T. Higgins is on fire. He's actually producing a lot better than Chase with the touchdowns. And then you have Tyler Boyd. So Tyler Boyd, wide receiver three. I think you look at Chase and Higgins as wide receiver ones this week. So that's how good it is here for the Bengals principles. Joe Mixon is an RB1. Everything looks good. Hide the defenses, get the offenses in there, and hope for the best. Uh, but everything's clicking for these teams. And again, Kelsey's return. He should be very productive in that here. So basically falling short of uh, looking at Bengals tight ends or Chiefs wide receivers not named Hill. You're getting them in your lineup. Start them if you got them type game here, except the defenses. Jaguars and Patriots, speaking of defense, uh, the Patriots have a great matchup here. 15 and a half is the spread. 41 and a half is the over-under. So we're not expecting... Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense to do anything. They really don't do anything on a regular basis. But Dario Gumbawale filling in for James Robinson. You can't even feel great about him. This is just going to be a smash down, smack down, I think, for the Patriots. So it'll be lucky the Jaguars can move the ball at all. I mean, they have a pedestrian wide receiver core. The Patriots can handle that. The Patriots pass rush will get in Lawrence's face. So the Patriots defense is one of the best plays of the week here. Everything points to them being dominant. They do not disappoint in situations like this. We've seen it over and over again when they played the Jets early in the season. They had a game against the Titans. Then remember that Thursday night game against the Falcons. If they face a bad offense and they have a great defense, they will destroy them. And that's what will happen here. So, again, hide all your Jaguars. That's it. That's pretty simple there. No Jaguars. Nothing to see there at all in this matchup in New England. Now with the Patriots, there's a lot of intrigue here. Damian Harris can smash it again. Three touchdowns against the Bills. Jaguars' run defense is terrible. They let Michael Carter and the Jets run all over them last week. So Damian Harris locks in as an RB1 this week. You look at Kendrick Bourne of the receivers. He's the guy I would go with. They know the Jaguars have been okay at times against the pass, but Bourne is still the best guy here over Jacoby Myers. Nelson Aguilar, we'll see if he returns from concussion, but... I think Bourne is going to have his way outside and they'll move him around to be effective here as a wide receiver three. Hunter Henry should rebound big time. The Jaguars stink against the tight ends there where they have teams that have good tight ends. The Jets didn't have that. So Hunter Henry gets it done here with at least one touchdown for him. So I like Mac Jones tying into that to have two scores, maybe push for 250 to 300 yards as they need to tune up a little bit for the playoffs here because Mac Jones can't be hidden and can't be a caretaker in the playoffs. He's going to have to make some plays. So Good proving ground to do that, even with Harris having a lot of success. Ramondre Stevenson, we'll see. The game script might suggest, okay, Stevenson's going to get in there. He was in the COVID-19 protocol last week, but Harris is pretty dominant, and uh, Stevenson may need some time to kind of recover and get in the mix here. So be wary of playing Stevenson. It's not just going to be going back to give him the key touches here, especially when you have Brandon Bolden and some other options here in the Patriots' backfield. So, again, Harris I love this week. Bourne and Henry are startable again. Mac Jones is a good streamer there, or a 2QB super flex guy has to be in your lineup. But by far the best uh, asset in this game that you feel great about is the Patriots' defense. Here, Nick Folk. Don't forget about Nick Folk. He's been money as a fantasy football kicker all season long. Doesn't matter about the weather and the elements. He should be busy kicking some tack on field goals in this one for the Patriots. So everything Patriots that you would think start about here, Stevenson included there. If you need him, you can go there this week. Jaguars, just think about sitting everyone and feel better about that decision. 
Now, Dolphins-Titans. Let's go here. This last game we'll talk about. Three and a half point favorites the Titans are at home. 41 is the over-under. So, not expecting a lot between these two grindy, physical teams. Two kind of Bill Belichick, trickle-down disciples. Brian Flores, the former defensive coordinator. And you have Mike Rabel, his former linebacker. So, we know this is going to be a battle of attrition. That's not always good for fantasy football. So, I don't think it's good for the running backs at all. Two committees you're dealing with. You have the Dolphins committee of Miles Gaskin and Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay on the Titans side of things. You have the three-headed monster of Dante Foreman, Jeremy McNichols, and Dontrell Hilliard. So that's not good. When these two teams are playing very good defense, especially up front and stopping the run and containing things, you cannot go with a committee because you're trying to squeeze out value when there's limited return there, especially with this low over-under of 41. Now, that means it shifts to the passing games and the principles of the passing game. So I like Tua Tagvola and Ryan Tannehill this week. I like Jalen Waddle and A.J. Brown quite a bit. So both of those guys could be wide receiver ones once again after their big performances in Week 16. Tua can get it done with other guys. I think one of those guys is not going to be Mike Gusecki. Titans are very tough on the tight end. They basically erased George Kittle last week. Keep that in mind at home. So Gusecki coming off a horrible clunker. We told you the matchup wasn't good against the Saints. They didn't need him. They didn't throw a lot to anyone not named Waddle in that game. But still, Gusecki couldn't get himself open there. So this is going to be tough sledding again for Gusecki, who's been fading in the past several weeks. So if you got a better option of tight end, go there. Like Mo Ali Cox, who he said, is a guy that you can look at for sure. Now, where else do we go? Devontae Parker was not targeted at all against the Saints, but he had the Marshall Lattimore treatment. Titan secondary doesn't have a shutdown guy like that. Waddle should draw some attention here from the Titans defense, but he's hard to cover. That should open things up for Parker on the outside. So I like Parker as a wide receiver three this week. Good DFS play. Waddle as a wide receiver one. Gusecki avoid there. I like Tua because of the wide receivers this week and other guys that can get involved here for the Dolphins quarterback. And I think he'll do some running as well to uh, pad his stats. But avoid the running game. But you can't look at the Dolphins defense. It could be a grindy, low-scoring game between both these teams. So that gives uh, an opportunity there. It's low-scoring, but I think... The scoring is going to come in the 20s, and it's going to come from the passing game here. And uh, that's why I like Tua and Tannehill. Again, the running out element is also important. Tannehill is also going to be motivated. It's a revenge game against Miami. So I like his aspect of doing something on the ground and getting A.J. Brown involved here. Nick Westbrook-Akine is on the COVID-19 list, so we'll see about that. But the tight ends and the backs here and Brown should give a good opportunity for for T- Tannehill to be productive in this one. Again, I like the Titans' defense, too. Again, the low-scoring nature of this game says there are going to be some points and some mistakes and some limitations. So a little bit of everything. And again, part of it is tied to the no-running game situation there. So, again, Tannehill back in QB1 at deep leagues here with Tua Tagovola. Brown is just absolute wide receiver one. He's going to dominate targets in this game. Avoid the Titans' backfield. You can't extend anywhere else here in this game but this should have a little bit more fantasy football intrigue with the two quarterbacks than we think here for Miami and Tennessee so there you have it there's a breakdown of the first eight games on the schedule there for week 17 the NFL from a fantasy football perspective we will get to the back eight a lot of good games there that you have to think about Rams Ravens Cardinals Cowboys Vikings Packers Browns Steelers so a lot of good stuff to break down on tomorrow's show a lot of good stuff we broke down on today's show on Matchup Wednesday. 
Matchup Thursday is next for us. Thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available for you on all platforms. For Locked On Fantasy Football, for Matchup Wednesday, this has been Vinny Iyer. Catch you tomorrow as we break down the rest of the games at Week 17.